We are in Matthew, the 24th chapter. I said 22nd chapter this morning. It's the 24th chapter. And uh, we're in the final part of Matthew here. Uh, Jesus has been in his final week on earth. And uh, this is when he comes into uh, Jerusalem on, you know, we call it Palm Sunday, the big triumphal entry. And he speaks to the people. And then at night he'd leave. And then he'd come in the next day and he'd speak to them and then leave. And all these crowds were just really listening to him and were fascinated. And we've gone through all the different stories and stuff about what happened. Then he gets to the last day, uh, according to Matthew, and he just just <laughs> flames the uh, religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. If you missed that a couple of weeks ago, it's quite entertaining. He just rips them to pieces in an unquestionable terms. He humiliated them. He insulted them. He went after them. If they didn't want to kill him before, they certainly would want to kill him after that talk. Uh, they hated him, and it was quite stunning. Then, as they're leaving the temple, uh, and the disciples said, you know, look at this place. It's just gorgeous. Jesus said, you know, all of this stuff is going to be knocked down. And uh, he'd already prophesied coming into Jerusalem that it was going to be destroyed. And sure enough, you know, after, not long after that, the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem in the most brutal of ways. Well, you ever want to read some gory history, go Google the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, it, is, it was a bloodbath you can't even begin to imagine. This is, that's why Jesus, when he looked at the city, he just wept, saying, if you would have just listened, you could avoid it. But they wouldn't listen. So anyway, all that happened. Um, and then uh, the disciples met with him and said, well, when is all this stuff going to happen? How do we know when the end comes? And Jesus sits down and starts talking to them about the end. Now, he doesn't tell them when the end is going to happen. As far as these guys knew, it was all going to happen, you know, in a handful of years. They don't know. We still don't know. But uh, he starts to speak about the end days. That's why the Bible says, people say, well, are we in the end times? The answer is yes. Uh, if you would ask the first century church, are we in the end times? They would have said Yes. These are the end times. Now, it was a lot longer end times than anybody ever thought. But these are the end times. And why doesn't God come and wipe this thing out? And do you know what the main reason is? He is waiting for you. That's what the Bible says. He's not willing that any should perish. Uh, if this would have ended 500 years ago, none of us would be here. You know, the beauty is that we still have this opportunity to come to Christ in faith. But at some point, it hits the wall and all of this is coming to an end. And Jesus talks about it. So in verse 21, he says, There will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. It will be the worst it will ever be in the history of mankind. This has not happened yet. It's going to happen, and when it happens, it's going to be quite dreadful. For if those days, Jesus said, had not been cut short, no one would survive. Now look at the way he talks. One of the things about prophetic utterance when these prophets would speak and Jesus of course the son of God prophesying here uh, when they saw stuff it was so real and it's so locked in stone they often would speak in the past tense like it's already happened it hasn't already happened but Jesus said if the days had not been cut short what do you mean had not been it hasn't even happened yet oh yeah it has you know he knows I mean, from his viewpoint it's all done already and the whole plan is set in place and God has already decided that it's going to be He's going to have to intervene or there'll be nobody left. It's going to be that awful. And he says, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Who are the elect? What does the Bible talk about when it has the, mentions the elect? It doesn't mention it very often, but it does from time to time. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version 
of this theological conundrum called the elect. Now, before I do that, let me say something very clearly to you. We've always stressed at Celebration Church, there's a difference between what we believe and what we think. Now, everybody always uses the word believe for everything. And I know what they're trying to say, but there's a big difference as far as we're concerned, what we believe. What we believe is non-negotiable. That doesn't yield. What do we believe at Celebration Church? You all just said what we believe when you stood up. It's one of the reasons we say it over and over again to drill into the next generations. This is the fundamental truth. These are the fundamental truths of Christian doctrine. We believe God created the heaven and the earth. We don't think this just happened as some cosmic burp somewhere. And then all of a sudden, people showed up. You know, all of this was done on purpose. You say, how did it happen? I don't know. Despite my advanced age, I was not there. So whatever version you want to think of happened, I don't care. Some people believe in the evolutionary type of thing. I think you're wrong. But as long as you say, well, that's how I believe God did it. All right, knock yourself out. They can't get their heads around. See, there's a difference between them and someone like me. They can't get their heads around God doing it in six days. I look at it and go, why did it take him six days? You see what I'm saying? Totally different perspective. So I don't care. You want to think that, you know, we climbed out of the primordial slime and climbed up into a tree as a monkey and fell out in a business suit? You run with that. (laughs) All right? But as long as you say, I believe that's what God did, all right. I'll cut you slack on that. But we believe God created this. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of a virgin, died on the cross for the sins of God. All the stuff we just went through. This, these are the core, t- these are non-negotiable. Everything else is in the I think category. Now, most churches don't do that. Most churches, everything is in the non-negotiable category. And that's why you get small groups of churches or even big denominations that can't stand each other and can't agree on anything. You know, it's 50 kinds of Baptists. Even the Baptists can't get along. You know, you got all a dozen different Lutherans and all their stuff. Then you got independent churches like us. They go, everybody, you know. Uh, One of the things we've always stressed is there's a difference between what we believe and what we think. That's why there's 400,000 churches in America and 80% of them have 100 people in them or less. That's about as many people as you can get in a room that'll all agree exactly about the same thing. In fact, if you go to most church sites and put in... You know, what do they believe? Their statement of faith? Look at it. It's really long. And there's all the details and everything. They got a million. You, you can't even understand half of what they're saying because they have put into rock every little version of anything that they believe about anything in the Bible. You go to our webpage, look at our statement of faith, you'll read the Apostles' Creed. That's what we believe. You want to know that's what we believe? What do you believe about baptism? Well, we'll tell you what we think about baptism. But we don't throw that in the believe category. You know, people fight over that. Some people say, well, you can't be baptized in a tub. It has to be in running water because that's in a river like Jesus because that's what washes your sins downstream or something. You know, I don't care. I'll blow you over with a fire hose if that's what it takes. You know, <laughs> we're just not going to get into those fights and arguments. What do you think? What do you believe about speaking in tongues? I'll tell you what I think about speaking in tongues, what I've experienced about speaking in tongues, but we don't throw that in the believe category around here. There's people in this church who speak in tongues regularly in their prayer life, others who haven't and don't want anything to do with it. You know, we work together as a church, and I think that brings greater credit to God. I don't think God gets great credit when you get a whole bunch of people who think exactly the same about everything. Man, you got different bars that do that. Right? 
You got the upscale bar, you got the biker bar, you got, you know, I, I don't know from personal experience, but, <laughs> but apparently that's the way it works, I don't know. Uh, not quite into the bar scene myself, but, uh, uh, you know. So we, we just don't get crazy about those little things. Now, this is definitely in the I think category when you get to this. There are some Christians, it's not what they think. It's really intense about it. <laughs> okay. Now, as I explain it to you, if you disagree with me, peace. <laughs> okay? Don't write me. I don't care. Uh, you know, I mean, I care about you, but I don't care what you think about it. I don't care. Listen, the whole, there's people a whole lot smarter than all of us put together who can't agree about this stuff. I mean, you've got to really be arrogant at some point to say, this is the way it is and there's no way I'm wrong. Really, honestly. All right. Let me having given that caveat, that, that huge disclaimer. Let me go down this with you very quickly. The elect. All right. Now, there are portions in the New Testament that use this phrase, the elect or predestined. Paul really gets into it in Ephesians. The first chapter talks about how we've been predestined before the foundations of the earth to come to Christ and to, you know, da 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 So this all comes out of a guy named John Calvin, hence the term Calvinist. And if I don't describe this exactly, just, again, I don't care. But basically, Calvin and Calvinists believe. And there are groups of churches that still believe this today. They're the much smaller group. They're, it's not commonly held. But, uh, uh, but there's a lot, actually some really big preachers that if I mention their name, you know who they are on radio and television. They are hardcore Calvinists. They just don't talk about it very often because, quite frankly, nobody can understand what they're talking about. It just makes your head hurt. But their basic version is this. People are born predestined to go to heaven or predestined to go to hell. Just when you come out, hell, heaven. All right? Which really bites if you get the hell stamp. You know what I'm saying? Because what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. You're going to hell. Now, it's a bizarre way of thinking of things. They've got all kinds of very creative explanations and huge backflips they go through to explain all this. But the bottom line, they basically believe you're already, it's already settled. There's nothing you can do about it. The problem with that is you run into the bigger part of the Bible that says whoever will believe can be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. We preach the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world. Tell everybody. Compel them to come in. Anybody who chooses can get to know God. That's our emphasis. Okay, now some of them still emphasize that. But even in their thinking, they say, well, whoever responds, it was already predestined that they would respond. It's like, you know, it's, trying to, it's like trying to follow off science fiction movie about time travel. You know, well, what happens first and how did that happen? And you walk out, I'm really confused, you know. So anyway, here's the problem. Whenever you come up with any kind of conclusion, reading a bunch of Bible verses, you come to this conclusion, but now that puts you at odds with lots of other verses, you've probably gone too far. Does that make any sense? If you come to a conclusion that, oh, that this, these verses must mean this, and then someone says, yeah, but then you've got 20 verses here that it doesn't agree with. And then you've got to do all kinds of intellectual backflips to try and explain that away. You've probably gone too far. My version of this, Calvinists, they go too far. Because you've got to go through all kinds of backflips to try and figure this thing out. My version, so that's version two. One, version two, the one that I and most Christians actually hold, is this. The idea of God putting into, uh, from the beginning, that Jesus would come. Remember he told, he, or told a serpent that someday the uh, child of Eve would bruise his head. Okay, right from the beginning, God had prophesied about the Messiah coming. 
All that was predestined and that there would be a church and we would be predestined to, to know God and to all this stuff. This is all figured out a long time ago. I think that is what has been predestined, not specifically each and every person. I think everything is set in place, then you get to choose whether or not to be part of it. But the whole thing has been uh, predestined. It's like a business person who has a business plan. You don't just all of a sudden just you know, throw stuff together. Uh, you got to come up with a successful business plan. If you're Best Buy, they have a plan. You go to any Best Buy, you walk in the door, it's like you're at anyone you've ever been in. They all look the same. They have the same feel, the same. It's all, everything's priced the same. Everything's presented the same. The checkout's the same. This is their business plan. It didn't just happen when you happen to walk in the store that day. Wow, it's amazing. I needed some of this stuff. It's amazing this is here. No, it was already. Now, who comes to the store? That's up to you. Now, they hope everyone will come in their store. Just like God wishes everyone would come to know Christ. But the store has all been said. That's all been part of God's business plan. It's all been set in stone. That's what I think the predestined part of it is. You know, and, but you do got to admit. I mean, it's not like you sitting here today is a shock to God. I mean, God's not looking at you guys in Stephen's point going, oh, myself. Never thought those guys would be there. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he knew what was going on. But at some point, when you start breaking into the free will part of it, it gets crazy and then you got problems. So that's, I think the word elect is a reference to all believers who come to Christ. In front, the church, these, we are part of the elect, the chosen of God. Jesus said, I have not, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. You know, so, so we respond to this. All right, and then version three, which I can also accept, uh, is this, that the elect might refer to some really uniquely chosen people for whatever purpose. Or... Okay, we see that in the book of Revelation where when the Antichrist is in full flame and everything's going crazy, the Bible says God chooses 144,000 people that will make it through and into, into heaven. Now, I don't think just 144,000 people are going to heaven. If only 144,000 people are going to heaven... I'm in big trouble, okay? Because I probably didn't make the cut. <laughs> you know, even if you grade on a curve, you know what I'm saying? If there's, all, of all, if there's only 140, of all human beings, I'm pretty sure none of us made it, which really bites, okay? So I think it's just talking about there's this, in, during that period of time, he puts a seal on these 140. Why? I don't know. I don't understand most of this stuff, but he does. So that's a possible thing that there are some specially called people for whatever reason that are referred to as the like. I can buy that version. Uh, I told you already mine. I, I can't buy the Calvinist version. If you have that, fine. Peace. We don't care. It's fine. There's people in the church who actually believe the Calvinists. There are hardcore Calvinists sitting amongst us. It's fine. Uh, just like there's hardcore Pentecostals sitting with us. That's fine. We, these are all part of the I think we allow for all this stuff. You can certainly make your arguments to each other and debate your little hearts out, as long as you're not being mean. That's fine with me, you know, as long as we love each other. But as far as we're concerned, the main tenets of faith that we all said together, that's what we believe. Okay? Does that make sense, everybody? All right. Okay, that's Celebration Church. I promise you, the guy sitting next to you probably doesn't think exactly the same about you about a lot of stuff, which is fine. Yeah, so, all right. People say, I don't agree with you, Pastor. <laughs> Okay, when you're the pastor, you can talk, you know? I don't agree with everything you say. My wife doesn't agree with everything I say. Good Lord. 
They, they figured out some huge insult or something. I don't even assume most people agree with everything. Who agrees with everything anybody says? Hopefully I influence you one way or the other, but I'm not sure I agree with everything I say. Good Lord. <laughs> people are crazy. All right, so he says the day had to be cut short or even the elect wouldn't have made it. And at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. Now, for centuries, false messiahs have come along claiming to be the Messiah. This is nothing new. Jesus said, don't pay attention to that. Uh, when we were just in Australia, there's, a, <laughs> there's some guy over there who claims to be Jesus, and he's married to Mary Magdalene. And uh, a bunch of people follow him, and he teaches them, and I thought it was so odd because when I saw the video, it was this guy with glasses, you know. I'm thinking, seriously, if you're Jesus, <laughs> don't, don't you heal your own eyes? I mean, are you Jesus? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I believe I am. Yeah, so, seriously? I mean, this guy's a psych. At least go get LASIK surgery, you psycho, so you at least fake more people out. I don't know. Walk around with a big old honking clap. I'm Jesus. This is Mary Magdalene over here. Just Mr. Magoo. Anyway. So that's nothing new. That stuff has happened. But what we, he's about to talk about has not yet happened. So check this out. False prophets and false messiahs will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, I assume he's talking about all of us, even if he's talking about some special chosen ones. Either way, the point he's saying is some Messiah is going to come along, and it's going to be something. Now, listen to me. All y'all, all y'all over there at Appleton, Stevens Point, everybody, internet, TV, listen to me. Just because some, and it's going to happen, whether it happens in our life, it could happen tomorrow, all I know. There are going to be guys who are going to come along, and these guys who claim to be Jesus are going to, according to what Jesus said, do miracles that are stunning. They're going to be so powerful that most of you will want to believe them. Are you hearing me? We're talking some guys, I don't know if they're going to walk on water, I don't know if they're going to turn frogs into chickens, I don't know what they're going to do. But they're going to do stuff that is going to make your head spin. And many of you listening to me right now, despite what I say and what Jesus said, you're going to go, oh, my, oh, well, maybe it is Jesus. Maybe, well, Pastor, it must. I, can, I already hear it. I can already hear it. Some of you go, well, Pastor, oh, you know, he raised somebody from the dead. It must be Jesus. I'm telling you, I don't care what they do. It's not Jesus. Uh, whenever someone says, you've got to go out there and find Jesus, because he's come back the second time already, and you've got to go check him out. It's not Jesus. I don't care what they do. Y'all need to hear me, and you young people. Maybe this doesn't happen until your generation. Who knows when all this stuff's happened? But I don't care. Anybody comes along, and I don't care if they can move heaven and earth. It's not Jesus. And he's warning us. These guys are going to do miracles that, if possible, even the most chosen of the chosen would believe him. So well, I wouldn't believe him. Yeah, you might. All right? So, uh, he, and then he goes on. He says, see, I've told you ahead of time. I'm warning you. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm warning you. Don't believe it. 
So if anyone, Jesus, tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, don't go out there. Here he is in the inner room, don't believe it. He says, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible way into the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What he's saying essentially, and he's going to say some more, is the first time I came, it was with a whisper. I was born in a barn, hardly anybody knew what was going on. He lived among the people, he was raised, he was 30 years old, nobody had a clue who he was. And then he starts his ministry, whoa, and then we see what we're reading here, and of course now the salvation that we all experience through Jesus. So he said, the first time I came, man, it was in secret, it was a whisper, it was on the down low. When I come back the second time, it's going to be kicking butt and taking names. He's not going to sneak back in the second time. When he comes back the second time, everybody's going to see it. He says, if you have to go see this guy, it's not me. I don't care what miracles he does. I don't care what brilliant thing. I don't care if the guy coming in can quote every word Jesus said the first time verbatim and raise chickens from the dead. I got to think with chickens, I don't know. <laughs> My mind gets stuck on stuff. I don't care what he does. It's not Jesus. Don't get caught up on it. Because when Jesus comes back the second time, it's not going to be a question of his he back. Everybody's going to see that he's back. And then he uses this little statement, kind of confuses some people. He says, uh, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. What? He's not talking about vultures and carcasses. He's using an idiomatic phrase in that language, which every language has its unique little sayings. For example, in English, we would say something like, wherever there is smoke, there is fire. What's that mean? You know, you, one thing leads to the other, you're going to know that stuff's happening. What he's saying is, wherever the carcass, that was the phrase saying that they had back then. Wherever the, wherever the vultures are, there's the dead body. You know, in other words, this is going to be so obvious. Everybody's going to see this. And then he goes on, he says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. How's that possible? I don't know. And the moon will not give us light. The stars will fall from, the, he's quoting from the Old Testament, by the way. He's prophesying, but now he quotes from an old prophet from the Old Testament. Uh, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. What does that mean, Pastor? I haven't the slightest idea. Not a clue. All I know is so far, he says, that things are going to get crazy in the end. The weather's going to go nuts. You know, people think, you know, the weather's nuts. Now it must be global warming. I'm this is just the beginning. Jesus said this stuff is like the beginning of birth pangs. I personally have never experienced birth pangs. I've heard from people very close to me. <laughs> that it really hurts, okay? And here's the thing with the birth pain. The first one is, whoo. The last one is, ah, you know, okay? So apparently it gets worse as we go along, right? Most of you ladies will agree it tends to increase with intensity. We're just seeing that it's going to get really crazy, guys. You think the few earthquakes and stuff we're seeing, oh, it must be Jesus. I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. It's going to go nuts. And at some point, something happens that a prophet thousands of years ago described as the sun getting dark you can't hardly see the moon the skies are falling who knows what he's describing I haven't a clue I'm pretty sure when we see it we're going to know it okay it's going to get really really nuts scary nuts all, any of this stuff really should creep us all out uh, it's going to be nasty and then he says then will appear the sign of the son of man in heaven then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see him everybody's going to see it it's going to be on CNN and Fox News. It's all going to happen. Boom. 
everybody's going to see it. There's not a chance. And the Bible says, Jesus said, when they see it, they're all going to go, oh, no. Why are they going to groan? Why are they going to mourn? Because these are people who have totally rejected Jesus. They think we're crazy as it is now. Most people watching me on TV right now think we're crazy. They're sitting at home eating corn. I go, these people are nuts. You know, they have no idea what we're talking about. They've never really surrendered to Jesus. Ah, Jesus can't be real. Jesus can't be real. I mean, the world will be so bought into the thing that Christianity is a bunch of nonsense that all of a sudden when Jesus shows up, their response is going to be, oh no, they're going to freak. Because again, when he comes back the second time, he's going to be kicking butt and taking names. There'll be all kinds of people not going to be happy about it. It says all the people of earth will mourn. They're not going to celebrate it. We will celebrate it. They will mourn. They are going to freak. And they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. This is no small deal. Again, if anyone ever tells you you've got to drive or take a flight to Australia to see Jesus with big Magoo glasses, that ain't Jesus. And I don't care what miracles the guy does. And apparently, he says, some of these guys are going to pull up. Now, the question is, how do they do it? I don't know. He doesn't tell us. He's just going to say, the miracles they're going to do are going to be so stunning that even the most committed of Christians will want to believe it. He says, remember, I warned you. The minute you got to go looking, oh, you got to go see this, it's not him. When he comes, it's going to be intense. And then we'll end with this. Uh... Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Well, we're in the opposite cycle right now. Trees, leaves are falling, and we know winter is coming. Many are already beginning to groan. Oh, man, here it comes. Because in Wisconsin, it can be a little intense. All right? So, you know it's coming. It's not like all of a sudden winter's going to show up, and we'll go, I never saw that coming. You know what I'm saying? We, we know it's coming. It's very, very obvious. The same analogy. And what he says this, he says, so even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away till all things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What I'm telling you is non-negotiable. This is going to happen. There's not a thing you can do to change it. Now, being raised in this kind of church I was raised in, uh, you know, as, as a young Christian, and many churches taught this for many, 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 many days. And a lot of people still teach this. They're basically saying that because we're already seeing the beginnings of these things happening, that this is the generation where all this is going to happen. It might be. I don't know. Okay? A lot of Bible prophets, uh, teachers, when you listen to them, they talk about when Israel becomes a nation in 1948. Now stop and think. They have not been a nation for thousands of years. This is even back before Jesus. It was Babylonian captivity was the last time. they had. When the Babylonians came in, they lost everything and have not had control of their own lives until 1948. And the Bible talks about in the last days, he'll call them back again. and reestablish. So we're seeing this. Now they're saying, well, see, because that's the beginning bud that it has to happen in our lifetime. No, they're wrong. Because they're not reading all the words Jesus said. They left out a word, a very simple word, three letters long. All right? Let's read it again. Verse 33. Even so, when you see all... You got to see it. There you go. So they can see it. Even so, when you see all these things happen. Well, I promise you, we have not seen 
all these things happen. He didn't say when you start seeing a few of these happening this generation. That's not what Jesus said. Those who teach it that way, in my opinion, they're wrong. I think what they're saying is wrong. Now, they could be right and I could be wrong. Uh, I will say this. We could still see all these things happen in our lifetime and then we know we are it. What I will tell you is I, there's no way you can say at this point that we're definitely the final generation because we have not seen all these. We're seeing some of these things. How fast this will go, I don't know. As I said last week, things can change very quickly in the world. Things that you thought would never change can happen just like that. I use the analogy of the Soviet Union. Most of us at my age, we, grew, we all thought the Soviet Union will never get rid of the Soviet Union. In a day, that thing came down. It was one of the most stunning events of my lifetime. The things that I can remember in my lifetime, you know, you know like some of you will remember now the Twin Towers, you know, 9-11. It was, that, it was that kind of thing that happened. Some of you younger ones don't remember that, but when the Soviet Union, when that changed like that, I was like, are you kidding me? We thought they were going we to have to be in huge wars or something before we'll ever be able to conquer that thing. And in a day, without a bullet being fired, boom, when God said that's it, that was it. So, while I feel pretty confident by saying all this has not happened and we can't claim to be the last generation yet, I feel very firm about that and I feel very confident. I mean, that could be wrong. Certainly in the I think category. Okay, I will say that a lot, all of this could still yet happen in our lifetime. Uh, but let me end with this. I mean, a lot of times when you read these things, it puts fear in your heart. As we're about to see next week, it's supposed to. He intentionally said, this should creep the willies out of you. And we'll talk about it. And then he's going to say, if we'll be able to know the exact time or the day this will happen. Every once in a while you hear someone say, I've studied the Bible and according to this, you know, Jesus is coming back September 28th. Or there's some idiot who did this, what, a couple of years ago, right? Is that possible? Can you actually do it? We're going to find out next week as we look at this. But even as creepy as this is, and it's supposed to be creepy, and it should jerk the slack out of some of you. Some of you have still never really surrendered your life to God, and you're living on the edges. This should jerk the slack out of you. But let me put this in context for you. Even if it doesn't happen for another 300 to 1,000 years, your world is coming to an end. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's all coming. You can walk out of here and kick it today. Now, I said that about a year ago, and some sweet lady in this church literally on the way home just fell over and died as she was driving home. Right after I said that, I felt terrible. But I thought, wait, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it to her. That was just her time to go. I'm telling you, that's, it's like that. Anybody thinks, oh, I got plenty of time. Well, this probably isn't going to happen. I got, you know, you are living foolishly. You know when you get serious about God, you do it today. You do it today. Whether that the whole world comes to an end in your lifetime is really at some level not the point at all. We know that your lifetime, whether you're in Stevens Point, listen to me right now, whether you're in Appleton, watching us on television, a lot of people watch us on television, the internet, sitting here, your world is going to end. Whether the whole world ends is really not the point. Your world's going to end. It could be today. Don't be foolish. Don't think, only a fool thinks, well, I got plenty of time. You don't know how much time you've got. Be wise. Surrender your life to God. Get right with him today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. Lord, it's really creepy reading this stuff, but you said it's supposed to be creepy and it's supposed to sober us up. 
Horrible days are coming like we've never seen before. Personally, I hope I'm with you before all that all happens, but I don't know when it'll happen. But Lord, whether it happens in our lifetime or not is not the point. We all need to get right with you today. Help people today to stop playing games, get serious about their lives with God, and make things right with you. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Next week, we will continue this and see what else Jesus has to say about these end times. See you next week. Amen.